know, where's all my slides? Just joking. <laughs> Very good. I hope I don't trip over all these cables here, but should be okay. How are you guys? All right? Good to see you all. Um, it's been uh, so good to come back to church, wasn't it? The last uh, two weeks. I have to say, it's been quite strange and difficult to preach into a little, you know, iPhone. <laughs> so, uh, it's been great to see you guys. And uh, if you guys don't know me, my name is Herman. Um, I serve in a life of church by looking after our midweek connect groups. So, that's where I get involved in. Um, I'm here with my wife, Angie. Angie looks after our kids. Um, our kids work here in church. And we've got three beautiful kids. And... Uh, yeah, we're just psyched um, and so happy with where we're at in church. And, you know, we, we, we just can't wait for church to get back to normal again. But uh, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. You know, there, there might be a few stumbling blocks, but uh, we're going to keep on praying that uh, we'll be meeting up quite soon, you know, on a regular basis again. How interesting was this lockdown? I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm just so happy about the connect group leaders. I don't know if there's any connect group leaders here in the, in the crowd. You guys have done such a great job over the last few weeks to keep our community together. And, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful for you guys. And it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting lockdown season, I can, you know, from, from my perspective at least. Um, anybody felt like really, um, you know, in a, in a sort of battle? I don't know. Maybe you've been in this lockdown season, you felt that there's been an enormous amount of stress on you. Anybody? Anybody feel a little bit of stress out there? Yeah, I, I can, I can, I, I feel with you. It's definitely been a, a season where I have felt really restless in my soul. Um, and it was truly a struggle in the Washerford house. Um, the struggle was quite real. Um, initially, just before lockdown started, um, Angie and the kids fell sick. I'm not sure if you guys know that, but Angie actually got quite sick, and we, we were like really stressing out. And uh, you know, we, we were just praying, and uh, and I just asked myself, what can I do to make them better? What can I do to make them better? You know, it was two weeks later then I fell sick, and when I fell sick, whenever I feel sick, you know, I I'm pretty sick. You know, I get man flu very badly. It's like really not good to be with me when I get sick. Um, and, I, and I asked myself the same question, you know, what can I do to get better myself? What can I do to get better? Um, and then, you know, uh, I, I got over the sickness. It took me a couple of weeks to get back on my feet, almost a whole month really. And uh, went back to work and then the layoffs started happening. Um, in my company, they laid off about 35% of our resource. And, uh, you know, I was really stressing about that as well. You know, how on earth, what can I do to save my family and prepare financially because of this lockdown? You know, these are just some of the things that went on in my head. Uh, it was then, sort of, I think it was end of May when I got a message from a friend on Facebook. And one of my closest friends of all time had passed away in South Africa. And I asked myself again, how can I turn down this pain? How can I do this and I can turn down the pain? And just before we went on holiday in August, um, on a Thursday afternoon, 
my brother and I, we were sitting around a fire having a barbecue and then I got this phone call from my cousin saying my mom had died. And uh, again, you know, it was, it was tough. I again had to ask myself, how can I turn down the pain? How can I turn down the darkness? Because it got to that stage. It was, it was hard. It was a very hard season for me. Um, my stepfather, my mother was with him for 25 years. He also now passed away two weeks ago. So within a three-month period, there was three deaths in my family. And the question was asked, how can I turn down the pain? How can I find rest? How can I get through this by myself? How can I get through this in this season? Lots of questions in your mind. You know, when it's, it's hard to find true rest when life hits that hard. When life hits that hard, it's really difficult to find true rest. And it is so easy for us to try and take control in that situation. And that's constantly what I had in my mind. I always ask the question, how can I do this? How can I get through this? How can I? So it's, it's a regular question that you can go through you know, if you're not, if you're not uh, cautious about that. And John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I can tell you now, the enemy is after you. The enemy wants to steal your rest right now in your season. I don't know what your season is. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know the enemy is after your rest. He wants to come in and steal that. So how is he trying to steal your rest? That's the ultimate question. And we're going to unpack that today. I believe God will help you find your rest in today's discussion. Whatever you have inside of you that's you feel like you don't have that rest, I'm praying that God is going to break through in your season. And we're going to do that straight up, up front. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that you break through this house today. That whatever issue anybody here has that's prohibiting them from finding rest, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit come now, Lord God, and break through in that moment. Lord God, I pray that I die to self right now in this situation. Wherever... Whatever I'm thinking, whatever I'm going to preach, Lord God, I pray that you, that you literally take over. I don't want to have control here, and I want you to lead this conversation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Very good. I'm going to get straight into the scripture today. Um, Ian preached in uh, Luke 13 last week. Uh, it was a great message. Um, and uh, I'm going to continue in Luke 14. So if you've got your Bibles... You can open up in Luke 14. It says, Now it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. They watched him closely. They tried to catch Jesus. If you know the Bible, if you've been through, you know, you will, you will remember that Jesus has had a few altercations on, 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 on the Sabbath with the Pharisees. You know, there's lots of stories in John 5, in Mark 2, where Jesus have had altercations with the Pharisees about the Sabbath. And it continues in, in verse 2, And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. Now, dropsy was a pretty bad condition that, you know, your body essentially swells up with water that's within it. So this, this mass that gets formed.
from it. So it's an awful, awful condition that, that this man had. And then Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Isn't that amazing? Jesus literally turned the situation around. They were watching him closely, remember? They were watching him closely, trying to catch him out. And then instantly, Jesus turned the tables by asking this question. But they kept silent. They could not answer him. And he took him and healed him. So Jesus healed the man. And he let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. See, the Pharisees was in a corner. The Pharisees could not answer that. They were literally struggling because do we turn against our own rules or do we turn against the people? Because either way, they couldn't really you know, do anything because Jesus had put them in a corner. And uh, I love that about this story. You see, for the Jews, the Sabbath was a day in a week. It was the seventh day of the week, Saturday. It was a Saturday. For them, it was all about not doing stuff and rules. That's what the Sabbath was. If you really want to understand the Sabbath, you have to understand the whole context of the Bible. So I'm going to take us back to Genesis to start that journey today. In Genesis 2, as we all know, in Genesis 1, God created the world. He created the world perfectly. He created it so perfectly. And God said in Genesis 2 that He rested. Now that's weird. When I, when I read that, I'm like, Ooh, He rested? I thought God doesn't get tired. I thought He doesn't sleep. So how did He rest here? Because we know in Isaiah, it says that God does not get weary. It says that God does not get tired. It says in Psalms that God doesn't sleep. So what is this? So in this context basically means that God just stopped from creating. He stopped from creating. That's essentially what this means. You see in Genesis it reminds us and it's actually a memorial of God's perfect creation. God created the Sabbath so that Mankind can look on that day and say, how awesome is my God. How awesome did He create this universe. How awesome. So that's what the Sabbath was all about. It was meant to be a blessing. It was meant to be a blessing for the nations. And then if we fast forward and we look at Exodus 20, things changed. Because we all know sin came into the world. And the world started to fall apart. Lots of stuff happening. And we then see in the fourth command in Exodus 20 that it says that we have to, that the nation of Israel needs to keep the Sabbath holy. It means that they have to keep it holy. You were not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And if you work, punishment by death waits for you. That's how bad that is. That, that sounds pretty active. But essentially the Sabbath in the law was another reminder. It was a reminder Firstly, that man rejected God. That was the first reminder that the Sabbath was as it was placed in the law. And it was also a reminder that sin separated us from a relationship with God. 
And the only way for us to be accepted was through obedience. And then last but not all, you needed cleansing. You know, you needed cleansing. For you to be accepted by God, you needed to be cleansed and you needed to do a sin offering, as we all know, in, in Exodus. So that was, you know, that was what the Sabbath reminder was in the law. So I think that's important to understand. But then the Jews, you know, like they always do, did they like to try and justify themselves. They love to try and justify themselves. So they added more rules. They love to add more rules. I don't know if you've ever Googled it, but go and have a look at some of the 39. It's 39 categories of requirements that the Jews created because of the Sabbath. Now, some of the stuff in there is absolutely bizarre. I'm not even going to go through that. You guys can do that for homework. But uh, they, like to, they like to justify themselves. And that's why they added all these things. So they institutionalized the Sabbath. And then in Mark 2, you know, if we then fast forward and we start looking at some of the accounts in the New Testament. Um, I took us through Luke 14 now. And in Luke 14 you can see Jesus healed the man. But I love the account of Mark 2 as well. Where the disciples was walking. And as they were walking on the Sabbath, they were picking grains. And they started eating the grains, right? And then the Pharisees again said, you can't eat from the grains, you know. And because they had an issue with that, because of all their requirements, right? And uh, Jesus then stepped in and he said, you know what? Uh, remember David. Remember King David. And he reminded them how David ate the consecrated bread on the Sabbath. Now, the reason why I bring this story up, there's two really important verses, very important verses, verses 27 and 28, where it says, man was not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for men. So the Sabbath, Jesus was going back to what it was supposed to be for, a blessing. It was supposed to be a blessing. And he then also says in verse 28, that the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. See, Jesus sets the rules for the Sabbath. He essentially ignored all the man-made stuff that was out there. In Mark 2, we just heard this story about the grains, Luke 14, and also in John 5, where we see the, the, the account of the man at the pool of Bethesda that Jesus also healed. I love Jesus never sinned, right? We all know Jesus never sinned. He lived the perfect life. Um, and Jesus ultimately is permanent rest. It says in Matthew 11 that, I I come, to, come to me, I will give you rest. This is what Jesus says. So come to me, I will give you rest. And that rest is permanent. It's not that you have to wait for a specific day. It is permanent rest. See, and Paul also unpacked the Sabbath a little bit, and there was a few accounts, in Colossians 2 is a good one, where he pulls together the circumcision, um, the new moon festivals, all the food systems that they had, and uh, he basically, you know, the Sabbath was part of that, obviously, he actually called it out, and he said it was a shadow of what was to come. See, what he was saying that is that Jesus was better than the Sabbath. There was no waiting until the end of the week to get your rest. You could get rest straight away with Jesus. Now, there was also no 
further New Testament requirements, if you look at the New Testament, about anything about the Sabbath and the detail around that. So I think in summary, when we look at the Sabbath, in Genesis, it was all about God, the Creator. In Exodus, it was a reminder that we, the nation of Israel, needed to earn their salvation. And then Jesus came and He destroyed the Sabbath system, all the systems. Jesus came to destroy all the systems of the Jewish and, and the things that they tried to add through man-made rules. Jesus is now the Sabbath and He gives us rest daily. So that hopefully gives you a bit of context in terms of the Sabbath. What I wanted to do today is just to unpack a little bit about what are the things that are stealing your rest in your season today. So I'm going to go through a few examples of some of the things that I have struggled with and I thought you might, be, you might get something out of that. So I think it's a time right now that we should all get honest and we should all dig deep you know, and think about you know, what are those things that's keeping you up at night? What are those things that's really keeping you from finding rest in Jesus? First thing I wanted to talk about is fear. You see, fear was something that really gripped me and in the last few months. And uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things we can talk about fear, right? I mean, you can have fear that you might lose your job. You can have fear that, you know, your career is not going anywhere. And you're just struggling and you're struggling to get through this season in your career. But I wanted to pick on two things. I wanted to pick on sickness and on finances. You see, for me, it was, I asked myself this question, and I constantly thought to myself, saying, I will not make it through this sickness. This is something that, as I was laying in bed, you know, when I was sick initially, in the March, I was saying that to myself the whole time. It was even one night, I think it was day four or five, where I had a dream, and I literally dreamt that I was choking on a ventilator. I was literally gurgurating, you know, and struggling with this ventilator, and I woke up in a sweat. See, in 2 Timothy 1.10, by the way, this was my power verse during the last six months, it says that Jesus had destroyed death, and He's brought light and immortality through the gospel. Now, this verse stuck by me the last six months, and... I can tell you now, no matter what you are going through, that you will make it. Whether or not it's in this life or in the next. You will make it because Jesus had destroyed death and He's brought life and immortality through the gospel. I also want to talk about finances because as my friends started losing their jobs, your mind goes crazy. Let me tell you, it literally, I had all these questions. You know, I, it was one stage I laughed at people taking all the toilet paper, you know, out of Tesco's, and that was pretty funny. But when your friends start to lose their jobs one by one, people that have worked for you, and they get laid off, you start coming up with scenarios in your mind. And every time my boss called, I freaked out. I was like, oh no, oh, it's not me. And you, you, that fear comes into you. It, was, it actually got to a stage where Angie and I, we had a piece of paper and we wrote down, if I do lose my job, now what are the things we have to pay? What are the things we have to cut right, right away? And I started playing around with these scenarios. 
And then God spoke to me and he said, you know what? You need to have a look at Matthew 6 again. You know, Matthew 6, we know that account, which talks about how Jesus reminded everybody how God feeds the birds, right? If God feeds the birds, how much more will he do for you? And that just brought instant rest in my soul that I knew God will care. He will look after us. He will get us through this season. So I think in terms of fear, for me, there's a couple things. Number one, you need to remember that you are not in control. There's nothing you can do to control COVID. You, you cannot control COVID. You cannot control losing your job. You are, out, you are not in control of your life. God is in control. And the second key point I want to make is this, that no matter how bad it looks, there is a plan. God does have a plan in mind through with you. And, and ultimately, I preached a sermon uh, about a year ago where I talked about how God provides and how He sustains. Again, I can account that He provided, you know, and He sustained us through this difficult season. And I want to encourage you, live what's in front of you. If you do lose your job, there's a reason for it. There's always a reason for it. Look for the reason, because maybe there's someone in your life that you need to care for. Maybe there's someone in your world that God wants you to spend time with. You know, so look for these opportunities. Uh, it's, it's there right in front of you. Live what's in front of you. And don't plan too far ahead. Don't overcomplicate things and make up weird scenarios like I did. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully that encourages you in terms of fear. Making mistakes. Number two, I wanted to talk about making mistakes and sin. Who's made mistakes in the last six months? Come on, somebody. Yes. I'm glad because I made many mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's important. You know, we, we all make mistakes, you know. And I, I do think at the end of the day, what the enemy loves about our mistakes is he loves making us feel ashamed. He loves bringing shame into our hearts. Where we feel like, you know what, I don't even want to talk to people. I don't even want to go to Connect Group because I'm just ashamed of what I've done. I want to also encourage you to read the book of Romans. Because in the book of Romans, you're going to find so much truth. It's unbelievable. In Romans 1, it talks about how all have sinned. We have all sinned. There's nobody in the world that haven't sinned. If you feel like you are sin-free right now, or you've overcome sin, I can tell you right now, you've just sinned. Because we've all sinned. Nobody's free from sin. Romans 3, in the third chapter, it talks about how we are all justified by faith. It talks about how we're justified by faith and not by works. And that's really important as well. There's nothing you can do to be justified by God. You can't do anything, but you can have faith. And faith is what unlocks everything. Then Romans 8, I wanted to mention that it says there's no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. So basically, you are going to make mistakes. You are going to have challenges in your life. And you are justified by faith. And God is not going to condemn you. So if you, in your spirit right now, you know you've got sin in your heart. You know you've made mistakes. And right now you're thinking, and you're so ashamed of yourself. I want to tell you right now in your face, that's not God. That is not God. God is not going to feel, make you feel ashamed that you want to destroy yourself. That is from the enemy. That is from the enemy. It basically says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's going to steer us. He's going to lead us. 
is not going to make you break down. It's not going to condemn you because of your mistakes that you've made. The key here is to, to see it and to very quickly rebuke when that message, come, message comes in your head. So if you feel ashamed, you have to rebuke it straight away. And say, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to feel ashamed here. This is not from God. And you will have to pray. Pray about it straight away. And you pray and you ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help you in this difficult season. And talk about it. Bring it out in the open. Speak to your connect with leader. Speak to somebody that you know in church. Because that's the only way you are going to get through it. You can't fix things that are in the dark. Who knows that, right? You can't fix things that are in the dark. You have to bring things into the light. That's how you fix things. That's how we improve. That's how we move forward. So that's really important. Third thing I wanted to mention is distraction. Oh, who's gotten busy the last two weeks? Come on, where's all the moms? Have you guys all of a sudden like started getting crazy? Isn't it amazing how quickly after the school started, life just got crazy all of a sudden? It was actually quite fun, you know, initially uh, when lockdown started, just to have nothing to do, right? Everybody, everybody always said, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And then everybody just stopped saying that. It was like all the calendars cleared up. It, it was fantastic. We had this huge board in our kitchen that had been in our house where every day we write down like, the my plans and you will have some stuff on there. All the, the kids clubs and stuff will be written on there. And this board was just clear. It was completely, and she wiped it down. There was no more clubs. There was nothing happening. You know, and uh, our lives opened up. And I can tell you now, two weeks later, our board is full again. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, life can get really busy. And I, and I want to encourage you with Matthew 11.30. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus' burden is light. It's easy. It's easy. Heavy burden. It's a heavy burden. I want to tell you this straight up. It's a heavy burden to stay ahead in this world. A lot of competition out there. People are striving. It's such a heavy burden to try and keep up with the Joneses. And that is going to pull you back. That is going to break you down. You know, distraction is so, so, so dangerous. The key here, in my view, and over the last 10 years I've learned this, is to commit to kingdom building. Commit to kingdom building. Commit to get on the mission. What is the mission? Well, we're on mission to build church. We're on mission to get people saved. We're on mission to spread the gospel. That is the mission. That is what we are called to do on this earth. So when you get involved in that, the burden is light. The burden is light. The world's burden is much more difficult to follow. And really do prioritize, you know. There's no need for your kids to have six, six kids clubs. It's, it's not needed, you know. I went the chase club a few years ago, my, my older son. I said to him after the third year, I said, you know what, he was okay, he wasn't great, and he wasn't the best in chess. And he could probably give me a fair run. But I asked him, you know, is this really going to have value in your life? Are you going to be a champion? I said, no, not really. And uh, he said, you know what, I'm going to prioritize cricket. He just focused in on cricket and academics. For him, it was all about that prioritization. It was really important. The fourth thing I want to talk about is feelings of hurt and of abuse. And the 
is maybe somebody here today that has has gone through that. Maybe somebody here today has been emotionally, physically, sexually, whatever abuse you've had, maybe that's something that's in your heart. Maybe someone here today has has gone through that. And it's it's so funny how lockdown can pop up these memories of this hurt. You know, many of you guys know, but I was abused as a child. I went through absolute hell as a child. And it was really difficult. And I, I got these messages. It just pops up where I just thought, I'm just damaged goods. All of a sudden, out of the blue. And, you know, I thought I've, I've sorted it out. I thought I was okay. But lockdown can expose these little things. Lockdown can also expose little messages where you just feel like, I'm not loved. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. You know, I've got no future. That's what lockdown can do to you. Um, I want to remind you a couple of verses here. Actually, I'm so glad Ian read one of them earlier. Psalm 34 says, God is near to the brokenhearted. So I want to tell you now that whatever, whatever issue, whatever challenge you have, whatever abuse you faced, you know, whatever hurt you have in your heart, God is close. He's there for the brokenhearted. And in Psalm 139, Ian um, actually read that, talks about how we fearfully and wonderfully made. And that I wanted to remind you of. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are unique. There's no one like you on this planet. No one like you. You are perfect in God's eyes. Perfect. There's nobody else like you. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Jeremiah 29, 11, we know this verse so well, talks about how God has got great plans for you. And I want to tell you straight in your face, He has great plans for you. And you need to remember that. You are so loved, you are so unique, and He has great plans for you. Often, this is something I've learned, wherever you've got great pain, the bigger your pain, the bigger your problem is often an indication of how great your calling is in that area. So my encouragement to you is to turn your pain into your ministry. Take your pain and build kingdom with it because God can take your pain and change people. God can take your pain and help save people. So take your pain and start building a ministry around your pain. I want to also talk about unforgiveness here because there's a lot of people that are still unforgiveness. I feel it in my soul here today. And I wanted to remind you what Jesus did on the cross. Because when Jesus went to the cross, you know, he was literally hanging on that cross after they put thorns in his head. They ripped open his back. I mean, if you know what a cat of nails is, have these little balls with hooks on it. And when that thing hits you, it rips off not just skin, but flesh off your body. And after all of that was done, so imagine, after all of that, after all of that, He's still hanging there. He tells his father, he says, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. If Jesus can forgive in that moment where he's hanging there, you can forgive your brother. You can forgive your friend. You can forgive someone in church. You can forgive. Jesus can do it. You can do it. And it's, I would really say that if you want to change your life, forgive. Move on. Last point, um, losing someone or a relationship. Maybe someone here has lost somebody. You know, 
for me, the enemy tried to lie to me the whole time. In my head, I was just saying to myself, the sorrow will never end. The sorrow will never end. I felt like that was the entire summer holidays. The, summer, the sorrow will just never end. Revelation 21.4, it says, you will wipe every tear from our eyes. I can tell you now that Jesus will wipe every tear from your eyes. When my mom died that first week, it felt like I had sorrow upon sorrow. That's how Paul describes it in the Bible. He says, it's like sorrow upon sorrow when you lose someone. And that's how I felt. You know, my mom died and I had to prepare a sermon. Um, we had to do a funeral the week after. And I had to write the sermon. And I had no idea how, what to write because I was just in pain. I was in pain. I was in the dark. I was praying for God. God, turn down the dark. I don't want to be here. And it was hard. You know what? God stepped in and late at night, Angie and the kids, they all went to bed. We were on holiday and God was just speaking to me the whole time. He was just saying to me, number one, I want you to know you are mine. You are mine. You are my child. First thing. And he said to me, and this really helped me, he said, her life although she went through really difficulty, is going to save somebody. Her life is going to save somebody and get them out of their trouble. And I, and I believed it. And the last thing God told me that week was that the enemy did not kill her. She's not dead. Because I know my mother made a decision. Many years ago, I had a friend that led her to church. And she called me that day and she told me that she was saved. And that she put up her hand in church. And God reminded me of all of that. And this verse again, 2 Timothy 1.10 that I read earlier, came up again and again and again and again. Where God said that Jesus has destroyed death. Paul said Jesus had destroyed death and he brought life and immortality through the gospel. So mom, I'll see you again. I know. I know I'm going to see you again. And I love you. Thank you now, preparing it, ready. The last thing I wanted to just talk about, and this is really important, this is critical. If you want rest, you can't do it without faith. You cannot rest without faith. There's no way for you to rest fully without faith. Okay? That's really important. And it starts by giving up control. It starts by giving your control, whatever you want to control in your life, whatever situation you're in, it's giving in that control to Jesus. That's what that means. And you can start over, you know, all of you, any of you, you can start over today. You can give your life to, to Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, when you give in that control to Him, that's how you can start unlocking rest in your heart. Only way to true rest is a relationship with Jesus. That's the only way you're going to find true rest in your soul. You know, and he, he is the name 
above every other name. He is the cornerstone of our lives. He can take away your pain. He can wipe every tear off your eyes. He can wipe that away. Any fear that you have, whatever shame you have in your heart, Jesus can come in and He can help you. He can save you from whatever situation you find yourself. See, God loves us so much. He loves us so much. He sent His only Son. Only Son. See, we, we were supposed to die. We were supposed to die because of our sins. But He came and He paid that price. See, Jesus wanted to give us rest. He wanted to give us rest in Him. He wanted us to have the Sabbath. He wanted us to have everlasting rest. See, the Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that He was raised to life, that you will be saved. So I want to ask, there's somebody here today, I don't know who you are, but I feel like there's somebody here today, I need to give an opportunity to give their life to Christ. Somebody here today, I don't know who you are, but I believe there's someone here that has not given their life to Christ yet, and I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So I'm going to ask every single person here, this is now sacred moment. This is a sacred moment for somebody here. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity today. So I want to ask everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if there's somebody here today that wants to start over, you want to put all your trust into Jesus, and you want to start over, I want you to raise your hand. I want to see your hand, and I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to pray with me. I want you to pray with me. Okay? So I'm going to count. One, do you need rest? Have you found that rest? Have you found rest? I think today can be your day that you can get that rest. Everlasting rest. And it's not a day... You don't have to wait for the end of the week to get rest. You can find that rest today. Today is your day. Number two. This father of the prodigal son, right now is calling you. You know the story of the prodigal son. The son made so many mistakes. He did so much bad things. And when he came to the father, the father ran out. And he hugged him. Exact same father. This is the same father wants to hug you. The same father is looking for you. He wants you to come to him. Three. If there's anybody out there who wants to give your life to Jesus, right now is the time. If there's anybody, I'm going to give you a moment. Today can be your day. Today can be your day. You can give your life to 
find rest in Him. Amen. Amen. Right, so if that was you, if you've made that decision in your heart, you can pray after me. Love to meet you afterwards. And we can we can have a chat. Father God, I accept, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I accept I was wrong. I walked away from you. I am so sorry, Lord God, for what I've done. Lord, I believe that Jesus came and he died for me on a cross. And I believe that he rose again and he's alive today. Lord, I choose from this day to live my life for you. I choose to live my life for you, Lord God, and to build your church. Lord, and to build your church, I pray, Lord God, that you send your spirit right now and fill me, Lord God, so that I can be empowered to build your church in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name I pray.